we've been talking about things that happen, things that happen to me. It's very personal, and I believe that it's timely to focus our attention upon that because in this, we must have the right perspective on things. But tonight, I'm using as a subtitle, the, the happenings and their effect upon me. The happenings and their effect upon me. And I'm, I'm doing this because I'm looking at the different flows that's taking place within culture right now. There are some things that's happening that, uh, I, that are very noticeable. And I think, uh, as was said, I think uh, it was said Sunday, I think, Cheryl, I think you said this is the best of times and the worst of times. But we see two streams, we see two rivers flowing in opposite directions. And these two streams that are flowing are something that we're taking notice of. And I'm, I'm also personally thinking about the Ashbury, Ashbury Revival as was mentioned, and the Lee University Revival, because both were brought up on Sunday. And what God was doing and had, has been doing over the years is getting us ready for revival. Do you realize that the things that uh, have been said and the activities that we've been engaged in, uh, we don't always know what God is preparing us for, but God is preparing us for a visitation, a move of His Spirit, and when we talk about that, we also know, we talk about the best of times and worst of times, there's also an up opposing stream that's flowing at the same time. We begin to see that positive thing that's happening, revival, but beforehand, you always already knew with all the things we've just gone through with uh, COVID, which is still an issue, with uh, sicknesses, diseases, infirmities, and uh, it's like, it's, this is a day like we've never, ever seen before. I mean, in my lifetime, all the years, I've never seen things as they currently are. But when we begin to see that, I, the question that comes to mind, what are you saying, Lord? What are you saying in and through all of these things? And the thing that we have to be careful is that we don't get caught in the crossfire of things. When things are happening bad and things are happening good and we, we are kind of caught between the middle, not knowing which way to turn and which way to go. But, but here's what uh, God wants us to do because you talk about being caught in the crossfire. That's when you're at a place where you, you, you're, you're not able to discern the difference between good and bad. The Bible says that, uh, I think when he talks about the church of Laodicea, and he says that you're neither hot nor cold but you're lukewarm. And what I mean by that, when things happen that we're happening now, it can very well lead to lethargy. People becoming lethargic, coming to the place where they have a, a I don't care attitude. And begin to throw their hands up and say, look, what's the use? So many things are happening. I just give in and give up to it all. But, but in this, God wants us to know that this is something that we can, in fact, take advantage of and move as God would have us move. Now, the scripture that I'm going to use tonight is a very familiar scripture because this was our theme for, from the inception of our ministry here in John 10.10. 10. It says that the thief, you all know it, the thief does not come but except to steal, 
to kill and to destroy. But then he says, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, now I'm going to place emphasis on certain aspects of that scripture because as we begin to hone in on what's contained within it, I believe certain things will be magnified and we begin to see it, it, it it's larger. We, we begin to see something contained within it that we had not seen before. First of all, it speaks of the thief. It says that the thief comes except, he does not come. Listen to the word. He does not come except. Now, you see something here? He does not come except. So his purpose for coming, his whole intent for coming is to kill is to steal and to destroy. That's his purpose for coming. The reason, that reason alone stands by itself. So if he shows up, you best believe that he came for one of these three reasons. It is to steal, to kill, or and, it didn't say or, and to destroy. That's his whole purpose. And here's what preaching is all about. This is what this teaching is all about. This is why we gather together so that we are forewarned. We have a forewarning before the thief even shows up. You see, God prepares us ahead of time. He says, I'm getting you ready for what is in because he lets us know that the thief, that the thief will come. The thief is going to come. So what happens, he says, be prepared for it. Be prepared for it. In other words, the enemy is going to come and his attempt is to rob you of what God has provided for you. So that's a given. There's no sense in thinking that this is going to be different today than any other time. This is a given. It says the thief is coming. The thief has come. But now we know he has come. He has come in the earth realm, but now he's talking personally. He speaks of it as a personal, a personal issue, personal things that we encounter. He says not only is, has the thief come, you see, the devil, we know he is cast out of heaven. You know, the angel uh, Lucifer became Satan. But now he's saying, listen to this now, he's coming to you. The thief is coming to you. You say, well, he's already come. I've already gone. No, that ain't the end of it. Whatever you might have gone through, that's not the end of what he is in the process of working against you. So, so it's almost like what when he said that that trouble will come. You know, when uh, uh, that that if you desire to live a godly life, you will suffer persecution. So it says that 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 I, I know I would much I would much rather in the natural for things to be different, but to be honest with you, let me tell you something. We're going to go through something. We're going to go through something. Yes, you say we're already going through something, but. Let me give you another forewarning. 
You're going to go through more than you've gone through already. There are some things that, and I said, well, wait a minute, I'm a Christian. So I thought that when I gave my life to Jesus, I thought when I said, Lord, I surrender all, that, that if I were a Christian, yeah, uh, then, then nothing like that's supposed to happen to me. I thought I would be safeguarded from all of that kind of negative activity that would take place among those who are out of covenant, outside of covenant. But the Lord is letting you know that because you are a Christian, there's going to be a special, there's a special assignment the enemy has that's targeting you. That's the enemy. We have a common enemy. And, and we have to understand that we have a common enemy because this will help us or keep us from getting to the place where we degenerate to the level of fighting against each other. Because understand, the thief did not just come for one of us. He came for all of us. He came for all of us. So when we are engaged in infighting, and we engage in struggles among ourselves, understand what is the source of that division? Where, where, where is all of this trouble coming from? It's coming from the same source. The thief comes but to. The thief comes but to. He brings confusion for a reason. He caves but to kill, steal, and to destroy. But now the forewarning, since he's coming, is preparation for his arrival. So when he comes, you will know what to do when he comes. What shall I do? How shall I act? And what shall I engage in once the thief has come? Now, here's what God does with those that desire to be taught the Word of God, those that desire to know the Lord, because you know that the antidote to whatever the enemy's objective, ultimate objective is, it has to do, we have to understand, as was sung, the Savior, Jesus Christ as being our Savior. So the mature will be spiritually, you see, the mature uh, uh, will be uh, spiritual enough to make the right choices. You see, as we mature in the things of God, when we become spiritually mature, the objective of spiritual maturity is to bring us to the place where we can make right choices. Because understand, when we talk about the thief cometh but to kill, steal, and to destroy, and then here we stand in the cross, we stand in a position where decisions must be made. What must I do? Where shall I turn? Where shall I go? And understand what happens the Lord brings us, the Bible talks about our senses being exercised because if we have known over a period of years, here's how I put it this way. I would say that as you mature in the things of God, every challenge that you faced in life was preparation for His return. Every challenge was merely preparation for His return. What am I saying here? I'm saying Look at it this way. Here you are uh, uh, facing a challenge, and then you eventually 
become victorious as a result of going through that challenge. God brought you through. And I like that song, each victory will help you some other to win. So when you go through that challenge, it's preparation for the next challenge. It's, it's preparation for the next battle. So that now, what did you learn in the last situation? And what you learned in the last situation is something that can be applied in the battle that you're facing now. He says, what did you learn? He's taught you. So now what happens, and that continues on. Each time you go through something, the question is, what did I learn in the midst of what I was going through? Did I get it? What did I get out of it? And how, and, and, and then your senses are being exercised. You had to make decisions. Now, I used to think about it this way. I, I think I said it one time before, that here I am at the age I am now, and I would say, Lord, if I, to be young again, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. I think about it. You said to be young. Yeah, energy level was better than it is now. And, you know, there were some things that I could do physically that I can't do now. But let me tell you something. I had to make too many decisions. I had to make too many choices throughout my life to have to go back through those challenges again. Can you imagine that? See, see, I, I'm not going to tell you the things, but you can relate to what I'm saying. I, there, there, were some, there were some failures and successes. I didn't always do the right thing. But let me tell you something. I learned something through those experiences so that over the years, I'm not having to repeat the same test over and over and over again. Because here's what happened. When you don't learn it, sometimes it's just repeat of first grade. You're just going over the same thing. You, the, it, it came in a different form. It didn't come the same way it came the first time. But it is saying to you, it may be saying to us, you didn't learn what you could have learned through the challenge that you were facing the first time. But when you learn it, I said, well, Lord, now that's what Paul says. I have learned to be content. I didn't start there. I learned to be content. I, I, know, how to, I know how to abound I know how to abound when things are going well, but I also know how to be abased. Because when I'm abounding, I don't get the big head, I don't swell up and get so puffed up in pride because I realize that what I have now can be taken away. But then, if I don't have anything, I know that my God will supply all of my need according to riches and glory through Christ Jesus. So, I've learned on both sides when things are lacking and when things are a lot, when there's a lot, that either way, I'm still balanced. I'm balanced because the same God that provided in both situations is the God that I serve. So, now, listen to what we're saying here. So, so we mature and we learn certain things over the years. That sense is being exercised. What decision that you make that was a wrong decision? Are you going to make the wrong decision the next time? I, I, I said, I blew off, I blew, blew my top. I became angry. I became, I got to the place where I began to question God and I began to, 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 to uh, uh, get angry with God. Say, God, how could you let this happen to me? And then the Lord eventually showed me the other side. I, I, I told you a story one time, and I'll just repeat it, for, bear repeating. It's when my dad died in particular. 
And, and one time after he died, I was, uh, uh, I was riding in my car. It was late night, 12 midnight or so. And I just kept driving because I was praying. I was praying in the Spirit, just praying in the Spirit. So, so into, caught up in the things of God. And then as I was driving, I said, oh, I wish my dad could see me now. I said, I have so much I could say to him and so much I could tell him about the Lord because I said he was seeking, but I wasn't in a position to tell him the things that I wish I could have told him. And then I said, there are things I wish I could have said to him. I wish I could have, I could have, I would appreciate it of him and all that. And, and then all this was going in my mind. So, so then I said, but Lord, you took him in my prime. I was only 19 years old. Why would you, Lord, why would you take my dad, at, such a, at least you could have let us enjoy life. He could have seen me develop in the ministry. He saw me begin, but he saw me, my points of departure. But he would have seen me develop in ministry. And the Lord said to me, he said, son, have you been holding this against me all of these years? He said, you're holding, have you been holding this against me all of, not that God didn't know, but this is my heart. He said, you've been holding this all these years. He said, let me tell you why I took your dad. He said, I took your dad because there was something that I wanted to develop within you that your focus was so strong upon him that you couldn't see it and you wouldn't have received it unless he was removed from your life. So, so when I said that, I said, now, Lord, I, 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 I thought about it. I said, yeah. I said, because my objective was always trying to impress him. I'm trying to impress him. I want him to feel, you know, I'm a chip off the old block. I'm, I'm in there with you, Dad, you know, that kind of thing. But then God began to show me. He said, That's, he said I want you to focus your attention upon me. I want you to focus your attention on me. And when he said that, I said, oh, Lord. I said, so now I'm understanding how things can make sense moving forward that didn't make sense in the moment. And that's just one thing. I can tell you many other stories. It didn't make sense in the moment, but when we move forward to things of God, in retrospect, God begins to bring sensibility to things that were insensible. It didn't make any sense when it was going through it. But God says, let me show you where this thing did make sense because now I want you to see life through my eyes rather than the way you've always viewed things. So now, there's another scripture I want to share with you out of 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. He says, here's what he says. He says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Listen very carefully. In light of John 10, 10, thief come but to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you may have life in that more abundantly. He says, but you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And he, and he says, so now, he says, they are in the world. Now, he's talking about the environment. Greater is he that is in you than those who have attached themselves or that are still attached to worldliness. 
He says, it is not that you are better or that you are greater, but greater is he who is in you. So the Lord that's on the inside of you is greater than the people that's attached to the world system. Are you hearing this? He says, they are of the world. That's their attachment. That's who control their actions and uh, who control their appetites. He said, they are connected to the world, but somebody is on the inside of you that's greater. He said, they are in the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world. Their language is from the resources that control their lives. He says, he said, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. Now, now that's something to think about. He said, they speak the language of the world. And he said, and they've captured the ears, the ears of those that's in the world. In other words, they are understood when you are misunderstood. Are you saying that? While you are being misunderstood, they are being understood. They make sense, but you appear to be speaking nonsense. Yours don't make any sense. And the thing you begin to wonder, say, well, uh, what good am I to them if they cannot receive the language that I'm speaking? The Lord says, I sent you to them even though they do not, they have ears, they, even though they don't understand you. But listen to what he says here. He said, therefore, they speak of the world, and the world hear them. He says, but we are of God. And then he says, he who knows God hears us. And who is not of God does not hear us. But I'm getting to this last part. He who is not of God does not hear us. He says, so now you can tell those who are born again because they have a heart and ears to listen to your language. He said, but now, what are you doing? I begin to wonder, how are we going to cross that line? We talk about revival. There's a spirit in which we carry. Because even though they can't hear you, they know there's something different about you. They know there's something different about you. You see, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, wickedness in high places. You see, spiritual wickedness. And you see, there's a battle going on. And what happens, what is within us can, can, can have the, as we pray, it can arrest or at least draw the attention of those that's in the world. That's what happened when we talked about the Bible. He said, but we talked about the parallel uh, streams. That's where I was headed at. It says, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, the two streams, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That's where I want, I want to uh, focus our attention upon. Look at what he's saying here. It is saying that he that is within us leads us in the path of truth, the pathway of truth, so that understand what happens, even though it doesn't make sense to the world, even though they might not understand our language, but ultimately, here at Sunday's message, ultimately the facts that they are embracing will not lead them to fullness or fulfillment because what happens, facts alone does not constitute truth. 
But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What God says, what the Lord says, even though it looked like the facts do not compute, he says, but ultimately, because I'm taking into account the past, the present, and the future, not just happening, what's happening with the world right now, I'm taking into account what happened, what is happening, and what will happen. So the truth encompasses all three dimensions. He says, so now, look what he's saying here. So now he says, so those who are of God are spiritually awakened and spiritually sensitive so that the things of God make sense to them. That's why he said, blessed are your ears for they hear, your eyes for they see, your heart that you understand. He said there are some things about spiritual conversation and spiritual communication that makes sense to the people that are spiritually awakened. But he says, but that is the spirit of truth. But look at the other string. But the other is the spirit of error. I was speaking the other day. I was talking to uh, Minister Earl, Johns, Earl Randall rather, about the spirit of error. I said, understand how the spirit of error operates. The spirit of error will find its target. It has a way of seeking out individuals that are relying upon their own rationale. They're relying upon and understand, the world has a way of feeding information into this, uh, this system so that understand what is happening. Uh, I, I never understood it as much as I understand it now. Even how, how things can be fed into this system, and when we see it, 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 it looks like it's irrefutable. It, it, these are the facts. It has to be this way. It could be any other way. What I, I, I've been kind of impressed with watching some of the, in fact, we saw it on the street, magic, magicians. And when I saw a magician one time, we were there. He took a coin. I think it was on, 50, on 17th Street. He took a coin, and he took that coin, and he says, now, he did something with it. The coin disappeared. And, and, and I said, well, I'm watching you. I'm going to watch you real closely because I, I'm going to see exactly what you're doing here. And then he took a coin, and he did something. He said, look in your pocket. In my hand. He said, your hand. He said, look in your hand. And the coin was in my hand. I said, no, this is, this is spooking me out now. <laughs> I said, because I knew how did this man get the coin into my hand. Then he did some other stuff. And, and, and as he was doing that, I mean, I was just, I said, now, I know what I see. I know what I see. I know what I saw. I said, this man made this coin jump from over here to over there, and then he made it show up, something else show up over here and over there. And they said, you know, he, even one time we was at a restaurant, they took a watch, took my watch. <laughs> I said, we were out at Orlando. My watch is gone. Where is my watch? Then he pulled the watch out. He said, I said, no, something wrong with this. I said, either, either this person is involved in your cult, and there is some deep stuff going on in, in all of this, or he's tricking me. And then we come to realize that they were, he was trained in the area of deception. He's skilled to be deceptive. He knows how to get you to focus your attention in a particular direction while something else is going on. Are you hearing me now? 
Now, that's just a trained, skilled magician who's read some books and studied under some other person that might have been a magician that showed him the secret. How much more must the devil know how to trick us? How much more must he know how to deceive us so that we can see a thing and, with, and, and believe it without any doubt that this is just the way it is? And then behind the scene, we find out there was some trickery going on. He's, he's saying, and I'll be honest with you, we talk about the spirit of error. The spirit of error is the spirit of trickery. It is, it is a, a mastermind controlling those who are doing the tricking. I mentioned that the other day, is that the trick is tricked as well. So, so this is what's going on. He said the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So, so here's the part that I would say that's painful. It's happening in the church. It's happening in the church. Happening in the church. Uh, you see, what, what am I saying here? I'm saying that there are things that we see and it appears to be so real, so genuine, and so authentic because we see the results of which this person would have us to see. We see the outcome of a particular thing, but we don't see what is happening behind the scenes. And people can be, if, if a trickster, here, here's the reason I'm saying all of this, because we were watching something on TV, how we, are, how we are programmed to a degree, even by the things that we see. There's something, you probably heard about algorithms, algorithms and, and the like. What happens, every time we, we, we turn on our computer, every time we we, we engage in any activity, whether it's purchasing something, whether it's driving our cars, or e even at home, how we watch television. Every move that we make, every step that we take, you understand, is being registered and recorded in relation to the individual that's engaged. So what happens, if that be the case, and you take all of this information concerning individuals. There's a, I've got the, 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 the thing here on TV, on, on, uh, but, but what happens, you take all that information, put it all together, and then they know exactly how you're thinking and what it takes. They do it for, 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 profit, for, for profit. They know exactly what it takes to appeal to your vanity or to your ego or to your desires that they place there. <laughs> you know you want this. I didn't want it until you told me I wanted it. <laughs> Do you see that? But now the passion and desire to move in a particular direction has been programmed within the individual, and then what happens, then they begin to provide that thing that you now are desirous of but understand, we talk about the spirit of truth, the spirit of error. The spirit of error is all around us and, and manipulating the culture. We mentioned what's happening in music and, 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 and in, you name it, in all of the arts and everything else. It's all a part of the programming. 
to control your passions, your interests, and to get you to a place where they can play you just like a fiddle. And you don't even know you're being played. I want this. I accept this as my truth. I accept this as my reality. So now what happens, a person can engage in activities that are blatantly against God and blatantly left field. And they evolved it and say, look, man, let's defend the rights of those that may be moving in an opposite direction. You've been played. We've been played. So he says the spirit of error. So it says the thief comes. The thief comes. The thief comes. The thief has shown up. He comes. And when he talks about he comes, what does he come? He has come to sow seeds of error within the souls, the psyche of individuals. Now, when I say psyche, you know, your psychology, all of the, uh, all of the sciences in the area of the mind and, and the emotions of individuals. You understand what I'm saying? We wonder why is there so much anxiety, so much anxiety, suicidal tendencies, and, and, and people who are, uh, are imbalanced mentally. It is because much of what has happened within the heart and lives of individuals has been fed into them. I think it was Dr. E. Stanley Jones that he talked, I read it the other day, he was saying that they were talking about, there was a Christian psychologist, a Christian psychologist, and she wanted to start a Christian uh, clinic. But what happened, uh, all the psychologists, this is in India, I believe, all the psychologists would analyze uh, individuals and would always find something wrong within every client that would come their way. And then instead of the person getting better, they became more, uh, I would say, attached to the counselor. And, and to the degree, in this particular case, they said, there was a male counselor and a female, they said that the woman was at a place where she couldn't communicate any longer with her own husband because she was looking forward to speaking to her counselor because now the attachment, and then there became emotional attachments, and you name it. I, it doesn't always have to lead to sex, but there were emotional attachments. He became the replacement for the husband because of the fact that she then became dependent upon those hours of counsel between uh, her and, 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 and the counselor. So, so then, here's what this Christian said. He, she said, analyze me. I'll be the guinea pig. Analyze me. So when they had a, here's a woman, well-trained, but she loved the Lord, and she's turned on to God, and what happened, they analyzed her, and sure enough, just like in every case, they had a whole list of uh, dysfunctions. These are the things that's wrong with you. These are the things that's wrong with you. And then she asked a question, by what measure do you use in order to determine uh, normality? And then they, that question was, well, what measure do we use? Well, we use these books. We use these, uh, these are our tools. These are our guides. By what measure do you use? They couldn't answer that. Why? Because that in their hearts and minds, there were no absolutes. There were no absolutes. Unless there is an absolute, there is no measure 
to determine normality. Now, if that be the case, then how should we measure normality? The only one that's absolutely right, the only one that's absolutely good, I would say the only one that could display to us perfect humanity is the stone that the builders of society has rejected. <laughs> That's why you say the name of Jesus. It is Jesus. He's the only perfect model for humanity. And when you take Jesus out of the equation, then chaos is always taking its place. So now, let's go on. Because the thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. And what happens, we begin to look at how he comes. It says uh, in, in Matthew 13, the sower went out to sow. And I'm just going to tell you the story. The sower went out to sow, and it talked about the different, it was good seed, but sowed in different ground. But then in verse 18, he began to talk about the meaning of those parables. He said, the sower went out to sow. He said, anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, watch this here. He said, now listen to what happens. We mentioned that he comes. When did he come? After they heard the message of the kingdom, but they did not understand it. They heard, you got to see that. They heard the message of the kingdom. Now, that's God's sovereign rule and his reign over his creation, the message of the kingdom, because for it to be a kingdom, it has to be a king. And then for it to be a kingdom, it has to be a domain in which he rules over. He said, they heard the message of the kingdom, but they did not understand it. Why didn't they understand it? Because understand what happens, the enemy, first of all, had already blinded their minds before they were in the environment to hear. They already had a paradigm. They already had a point of reference. Their perspective had already been formed before they came. This is how I think. This is how I believe. This is how I process information. That was already established within them. He said, but the message of the kingdom came, but it did not measure up to their, 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 their standards. It did not measure up to their references. So as a result of it, they did not understand it, so what happens, the enemy could refute it. The enemy could refute it. So understand, he comes immediately with a hath not God said. He comes to refute that which God has spoken. So watch what happens here. So he came to refute it. So when he came, he snatches out of their hearts that which had been sown. He said, because what happens, Listen to what happens here. So they left church excited. They left church on fire. They left church enlightened until somebody came up to him. He said, you go to that church telling you all that stuff about Jesus. What about the stuff? You know you want to do this. You know you want to do that. You want to do the other. You know, aren't these things still attractive to you? Don't you want to? You see, you look what you're missing out on. That's how he comes. He comes with, a, with, with an offer. He comes to tempt you. To, to, to move in a different direction. He said he comes immediately because his objective is not to, he came to kill, 
heal, to kill, steal, and to destroy. But he realized that the word that you just, hear, you just heard would preserve your life. It will save your life. He says, so if you get too much word in you, you will start working against my objective. So what he said, I got to get this word out of you because if I don't get the word out of you, 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 you won't die. I, I remember, uh, you've probably seen it too on TV, where this person, especially, watch these young uh, uh, drive-by shooters. This guy had his gun, and he's shooting, shooting the person, and the person had, wasn't dying fast enough. He's cussing the person out, saying, die, you so-and-so, die, you so-and-so, and loading his gun, because he wasn't dying fast enough. And that's how the enemy is. He said, you're taking too long to die. You're taking too long to die. You keep hanging around these folk, and you won't die. I want to kill you. So watch what happens here. That's the enemy. He, he wants you to die quicker. It's taking you too long. He says, so here, what happens? You keep hanging. So he'll throw this out. He'll shoot again. He'll shoot another uh, uh, bullet. He'll do another thing, you see. He'll, he'll throw another temptation. He said the whole objective is, is, is to speed up the process of your demise. Now watch, this is what he said. He says, so he snatched the word that's in your heart. Then he says, there's also he that sees the received seed by the wayside. Uh, he, see, he said, but he, he said, when he comes, understand what happens. I was thinking about this thing of wayside uh, the other day. Uh, well, today I was thinking about it, how, how that operates. Is that, uh, uh, is placed, uh, oh, here's what we said. What, what, uh, what the neighbors did, what the people in, in the neighborhood took some things that, in fact, it was in, in some area, he took some hubcaps, that's Brother James, took some hubcaps, and he, he began to stack those hubcaps in front of his house. And he just stacked them there. And, and uh, I thought, I said, is he trying to bait someone to steal the hubcaps, because I know he has security. I know he has, has, has security light. I said, is he trying to see who may be tempted to steal those hubcaps or what? And then eventually, this is years, I, I told him, I said, James, I saw where you put those hubcaps uh, out in front of your house. He said, I put them out there because I was saying, whoever wants those hubcaps, they're there for the taking. They're there for the asking. Not asking, you don't even ask. All you got to do is pick them up and keep going. He said, that's why I put them on the curb. So here's what happens. When he talks about stony places, this is what happens in the life of a person that doesn't take the Word of God as seriously as they ought. They take the Word and they set it on the side of, of their houses. They set it on the outside of their lives. They will not allow the message to pierce and penetrate their hearts. It is sitting. It, this is what we do on Sunday. This is something we, we separate our life from, from that which we say ought to become our lives. And he says, and when we're detached from the message, he said, the enemy says, oh, this heart is stony. This is wayside. So he comes and he snatches. He, he, there's no root. So he can just come. The birds can come and steal away that which was placed there. Another thing I thought about, we talk about things that are placed away and not, not thought about. Uh, 
you have those closets, the junk closet, the junk closet. Some of y'all so together, you don't have, but the junk closet where you put stuff that you don't, you're not looking to wear real soon, anytime soon. Uh, don't raise your hand. You have the junk closet. Now, now, in the junk closet, in the junk closet, you may have a, 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 an item that you hadn't given thought to for a long period of time, you see. Is it in that junk closet? Then all of a sudden you say, you know what? I wonder where is that? Where is that, that, that shirt? Where is that shirt? that I, I hadn't worn it a long time, but I'm just thinking about it. I'm thinking about that shirt. So, so what happens? So you go in that junk closet and you start looking for that shirt that you used to wear, but then you come and find out that that shirt is no longer there. Somebody came into my house unknowingly and stole my shirt. How long has that shirt been gone? It might have been stolen, but how long has that shirt been gone? If they had stolen it, they stole it because you didn't value it. You didn't give enough thought to, to actually possess it or to protect it, to guard it. Do you see that? The word. What are we doing? How important. If it's something that's insignificant to us, if the enemy stole it from a person that didn't place a premium upon it, you wouldn't even miss the fact that it's gone because it was in your junk closet. Are you seeing this? It was in your junk closet. It was something that you hadn't really given a lot of thought to. It was something that you had placed as an accessory. When I get around to it, I'll, get, I'll put it on if I need it. So now I'm faced a situation where I really need it because some challenges I'm facing that are overwhelming. And I want to find that thing that can secure me in the midst. He said, but remember, you gave your life to Jesus. And, and, and the same Jesus that you gave it, he can help you in this situation. But it's been so long. You know, where is he? Where is he? You, you see what I mean? And that's what I'm talking about. He says, so now the thief robs us of things that we do not value and things we do not treasure. He can steal from us. And the thing is, he might have stolen it a long time ago. But if you hadn't missed it, and I, I see this happening in this day where people I was saying that uh, there's a song called, I think, Lionel Harris, I Miss My Time With You. My question is, do you miss, you see, when we're not together, do you miss us? Do you miss us? Do you miss those times when you were lifting your hands before the Lord? Do you miss those times when your tears used to flow from your eyes? Do you miss the fellowship of the saints? Do you, you had a place where you're strained because you your heart is just so burdened over the fact that we can't get together. Or are you saying, out of sight, out of mind? I told my wife the other day, I said, my thing is, if it's, it's not always out of sight, out of mind, or that, 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 that absence make the heart grow fonder. I said, sometimes absence will prove the fact that there was no fondness there. I said, so did you, do, did you, did Jesus ask that question, do you, do you love me? 
But the question is, did you ever love me? Wow. So now, understand what he's saying. He says, so it's among the seeds, thorns. Uh, hear the word. Cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches. There's something that they place over and above the word. Something's more valuable than the word. They'd much rather be doing something else rather than engage in the word of God. And then the word becomes unfruitful. But only in good ground will the word produce. Only in good ground. So the enemy comes but to kill, steal, and to the killing. It becomes a killing field. His plan is not to negotiate an agreeable compromise. He doesn't come in to compromise with us, but he's bent on your destruction. He, and he also comes as an angel of light. He can come as enlightenment, where a person feel that they have outgrown their need for the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've outgrown that. People say, you know, I, I'm too smart for that. You know, after all, I got my education now. I've gone, uh, you know, I've, I, I got some things going for me now. I got a little money in my pocket, so I don't need. I don't, there were times when I needed more. But now, since I got my education, I don't need it. <laughs> I didn't think you heard it the first time. That's why I said it again. <laughs> so, you see what I mean? So, enlightened, angel of light, the Bible speaks of that. How Satan will transform himself into an angel. And when I see the angel of light, an angel of enlightenment. An angel of enlightenment. Some people call it being woke. You know. You know, I, I, I finally woke up and I see, I know I am now. I know I am. You know, I finally discovered myself. I found myself. He transforms. He said, therefore, it's a great thing, it's no great thing that his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. So what they do is they put on, they put on a disguise of righteousness. And some don't even have to fool with righteousness anymore because now righteousness is no longer in vogue. It said it is more or less uh, of, 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 uh, of assistance and help. You're providing, a, you're, you're meeting a need that's within my life. We mentioned how the needs are developed. You're meeting a need within my life. Therefore, I don't care about your character. The thing that matters most as long as that need is being met. But the end will be according to their works. God judges that. I'm, 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 I'm closing because I see my time. But the thing is that God's objective is to move you. We talk about the movements and motions. We praise God for revivals. His objective is to move you from point A to point B. He wants to get you from where you are to where he wills for you to be. He's not changed his mind about any one of us. He does not vacillate as we often do and is never uncertain. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he's saying that I'm determined to develop within you that which I began in you. He said, what I started in you. He said, if you let me, I'll develop it.
if you let me, if you let me. He said, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't jump ship. Don't, don't bail out because of pressure. Don't get to the place where you cave in and you begin to say, I might as well go back to whatever I was doing before I came to the Lord. No, stick with God's program. Stick with God's program. Stick with God's program. Understand. And, and, and then always be in a place of asking God. Now, what? You see, we say things that we need done for us. But Lord, what would you have me to do right here and right now in the midst of whatever I may be going through? What would you have me to do? Not just for myself, but what would you have me to do? Because understand, even though, here's Jonah, even though he was in a fish's mouth, he was a minister in the fish's mouth. <laughs> Are you hearing something here? Even though you're going through your worst challenge, you're still God's minister. You're still God's minister. And God is, he is still going to use your life as a ministry, regardless of what you may be going through right now. I better quit. I'm past time. Father, thank you for your word and your word of encouragement to us. And Lord, I pray that this word will uh, grow inside of us so that as we face the challenges of life, we'll make wise decisions. And Lord, I pray that these situations and circumstances will, not, will have a positive effect upon us, that we'll not relent, but we'll grow in our trust, growing in our, as we gain knowledge of who you are, because there is an aspect of you that's manifesting in the midst of every challenge we face. So with this, Lord, we give you the honor, the praise, and the glory. And those who have heard this message, Lord, I just pray that they'll hear it with their hearts and their spirits be alive and quickened so that they can hear sound doctrine and not, Lord, be at a place where the spirit of error will overwhelm them and lead them down a primrose path of destruction. So in this, we give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise